Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to what is the 30th episode of the Tactical Yanks podcast. I am your co-host today, Filippo Silva, and I'm joined here by Pete Dalvid from 11 Yanks. And Pete, we made it to episode 30. It's very slow, though, because we have only been uploading once a week. We can definitely ramp it up at some point, but we made it. We've done. I wonder how many podcasts quit before 30 episodes or just poop out, you know? It's probably... It's probably a decent amount. I mean, there there is there is this thing nowadays that everyone starts a podcast. Also, yeah. my aunt starts a podcast. My mom, everyone's starting a podcast. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we were even talking about this. I think one thing that helps the podcast is that we started it already with a YouTube audience, and yeah. you guys have been awesome, by the way, with the reviews and helping yes. us sharing the podcast, and that keeps us going. We're going to continue today with our reviews uh previews world cup previews yeah world cup previews of each group we've done group a b and c so if you missed that go check it out and we're going to do today group d but before we start is there any uh any usmnt topic we're going to talk about or not really i guess we've covered most things on youtube but you know everybody's out of the playoffs now all of the local domestic players except for kellen acosta and sean johnson mm-hmm. those are the only two that are left um Jesse, so, Jesse Marsh is still employed at the time of this Jesse recording. Jesse Marsh is still employed at the time of this recording. I have a feeling he will be employed a few more weeks. I don't think they're going to sack him with the run of fixtures they have coming up. I don't think they're going to sack him just yet. But by November 12th, which is their last fixture before the World Cup, if if he doesn't start picking up points, I think it's over for Jesse. And I think those are mainly the updates. I mean, uh, we should dive in right away to group d which i hate to say this because we might have some viewers that might have a danish or australian or french or or even tunisian background but to me this is at least out of all the groups this is the least interesting group for me personally not a bad group by any means it's just not very interesting for me and i hope you listening to this today are interested otherwise we're going to get no no views for this episode or no listens. Well, I think it's it's I think it's an interesting group because you have France who they're the kind of team that could either win the World Cup or implode in the first round and have all kinds of issues. So France is interesting because they have so much talent, but they don't always live up to it. And they are the defending champions. And we're going to talk a little bit about the champions curse. Ooh. <laughs> the champions curse it is halloween so yeah perfect timing right we didn't plan that we didn't plan that we did not plan that technically our next episode will be recorded on halloween itself so that's something to think about so what's the group again it's going to be group wait this is d so group e which is i believe spain spain germany Germany, japan yeah germany Germany. kind of brings me sometimes a halloween-ish vibe uh, (laughs) but (laughs) But look, I'm not here to talk about Germany today, so there's no point in talking. Well, why don't we talk about what you just said, the champion's curse? And yeah, I don't, not that I believe or not in curse, 
that doesn't really matter right here to each their own. The thing with this specific curse is I think unlike past editions, it's a little bit different in terms of how tough the group of the champions is and how much talent this team has. Because in the past, teams that would win the World Cup would be usually very experienced teams, right? The Italian team that won in 2006 was everyone was almost past their passing their prime, right? They were yeah. in their prime and passing. So you yes. would expect them to have a harsher World Cup uh, the next time around. Same thing with Spain. Their golden generation was at their peak during the during the 08 to 2012 was their peak, those four years, and they started to decline. But what happened was when France won in 2018, what we were all saying, and this is what I was thinking too at the time, was like, this team has yet to hit their peak. Yeah. Right? You're looking at it and you're like, Mbappe is just getting started. And there were many it was, years. It was the second youngest team at the World Cup. They had an average age of 26. Do you know what the youngest team was? Mm -mm. England. They had an average age of 25. Top four teams. Yeah. Who also finish in the top four. So kind of debunks the whole USMNT is too young theory, conspiracy. Yeah. Theory. In uh, fact, the U.S. is about the same age as England is was in 2018. And about as good of a coach, but definitely less talent, to, to be yes, honest. But, much less. But France, we've, we're saying that they have yet to peak. This team in 2022 is looking even stronger, so we were quite shocked that they won. We could even see something that we haven't seen, I think, since the 60s, since Brazil has won two World Cups in a row. Am I wrong? Uh, no, yeah, yeah. This, that was the only time in Europe. Very hard to do. Very hard to do. It's very hard to do. And but with this French generation, when they won in 2018, it seemed fairly reasonable to think, hey, they can win 2022 and be a contender in 2026. These guys are young enough. I mean, but at the same time that the talent is still there, if anything, their team is even stronger on paper than the past one. Yeah, they have injury issues. They have ego issues and a little bit of coaching issues, if we put it all mm. together. So why don't we start with the champion's curse, going through the past editions real quick, just to talk about that. And then we're going to yeah. go through the injury, uh, the that jumps, the coach, and, you know, the ego problem. So, Pete, 2018 World Cup, the champion's curse hit Germany, right? Yep. Germany's group was Sweden, Mexico, and South Korea. Germany finished in last place. This is the difference, in my opinion. This group the gap between Denmark and France to Australia and Tunisia is massive in terms of massive. Talent. It's massive. Now, when you go to Germany's group, Mexico wasn't bad that World Cup. Sweden is a tough team to play against. And South Korea ain't that easy either. So it looked like the gap was smaller. And Germany flopping, even though it wasn't expected, it's not. it wasn't that crazy, right? No. Um, now yeah, that Mexico team had Carlos Vela, Chicharito, Chucky Lozano. Guardado was younger. Andres Guardado, Hector Herrera, and Ochoa were all still in their prime. Hector Moreno was still in his prime. They even had Rafa Marquez still there. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wasn't in his prime. But that that was peak Mexico of that generation, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and then Sweden, a good team. And then South Korea, never easy. And, and then, obviously, Germany losing the first game to Mexico didn't do them any favors. No, because usually the teams that lose their first game get knocked out. That that's I know I'm saying sort of the obvious, right? You lose, you get knocked out. The first game is usually very important in that sense, also to get it going. So that's what happened in 2018. The difference between now 
Francis group has a massive gap between the top two and the, the bottom two. And Francis team is still in their prime. Germany, that was already sort of a beaten down generation from 2014. And they still had Joaquin Love, which was questionable and ended up getting fired after the Euros. But then 2014. In 2014, the curse hit Spain. Yep. And we sort of talked about that, right? How that Spanish generation was already declining. And they were in a tough group, Pete, because it was Netherlands, Chile's golden generation that won yeah. two Americas right after. And Chile almost knocked out Brazil in the round of 16, hitting the post yeah. um, in extra time. They hit the post in extra time. They lost to Brazil on PKs. And yeah. then Spain in third. And then Australia, which was the punching bag of that group, lost to everyone. So would you agree that that group, Spain getting knocked out, not the expected outcome, but, you know, reasonable? Yeah, significantly tougher group. Significantly tougher. Now, 2010, Pete. Now, this is the one that gets tricky because Italy was placed in a weak group, in my opinion, in 2010, right? They won the 2006 World Cup, and their group was Paraguay, Slovakia, Slovakia, New Zealand, and Italy. So you would expect Italy to get out of that group, even with the aging generation they had, right? Yeah. And they got two points. <laughs> they tied Paraguay, they tied New Zealand, and they lost to Slovakia Slovakia 3-2. So I think that's the only one that we could kind of like play against France to a certain extent. But it's still a more balanced group than what we see now, right? I would say it's similar. I would say it's similar with Slovakia and New Zealand there. I, you know, I, that Slovakia team was not that good. They had a few key players, but I'd say it was similar to Paraguay was Paraguay was annoying, and they were pretty much set piece merchants. A lot of goals through headers, and they had Roque Santa Cruz still. They 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 kind of almost beat Spain. We got to remember. Sure, that. but but Paraguay. I mean, you're still talking about. Paraguay and Italy, and then the other two teams were New Zealand and Slovakia. So it's not like you can, even if you can't beat Paraguay, you should still get out of that group no matter where you're at. So just to finalize the curse, because in 06, it's irrelevant to talk about it because Brazil was the 2002 champions and they made it out of the group. But France has been a victim of the champions curse. And when they were a victim, they also had Denmark in their group. And that yep. was in 2002. So yeah. France comes into the World Cup as the current champions from the 98 World Cup in a group with Denmark, Senegal, Uruguay, and France. So that is a tough group, man. I don't know. That, that is a very tough group to be at, right? You're placed in a group of Denmark, Senegal, which was also good at the time, Uruguay, that's always tough. But the disappointing thing with France there was they only got one point. They lost to Senegal, they tied Uruguay, and they lost to Denmark, and they were knocked down the group stage with Zinedine Zidane, and I believe Thierry Henry was there too. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a very talented France team still, but they just for whatever. And this is this is France for you. It's like I've talked about before. No great team has imploded as much at a, as a, at a World Cup as France has, right? They've also won World Cups, right, twice in the last twenty years, but they've also imploded in key moments. In two thousand and ten, they imploded. Right, even though they weren't the 2006 champions, they imploded. Remember, they had Nicolas Anelka sulking, and then he got banned by Raymond Dominic, and then the whole team protested and basically refused to train. And then they still played anyways, and of course, it was never going to happen. And the same thing happened in 02, and even in 06, Zidane kind of imploded in the final. Right, so 
kind of France has a history wait, of self-sabotage. What? He kind of imploded. Yeah, I mean, the whole team didn't implode, but he did. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I, I was questioning the kind. I was like, he freaking headbutted the guy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they have this history of self-sabotage, and there is already some indications that France could self France could self-sabotage again. So before we get into their problems, then, do you think there's any chance they don't get out of the group? I can see them getting knocked down the round of 16. I don't see it happening in this group, though. I mean, there's not a 0% chance. For sure. I think, you know, no chance is unrealistic because also, like we've said many times, the World Cup is a short tournament. If you lose to Denmark and then draw with Australia there's a good chance you could get four points and not, I mean, it's possible to get four points and not get out of that group, even if you beat Tunisia. So there's not a 0% chance. I would say I would put it at 10% chance right now. Um, because remember, it doesn't, at the end of the day, talent goes out the window if you're not willing to play together as a team. If there are locker room issues where they, you're not getting along, there's egos, it can make you way worse than the sum of your parts. And a well-organized team that's willing to bunker and make your lives very, very difficult can frustrate you. So chemistry is so important in these short tournaments. It's so crucial. And I, I'd say there's a chance that France doesn't make it out of their group, albeit a small one. So why don't we talk about their ego problems first, since you sort of mentioned it already. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the well, first... I mean, there's, there's ego and there's injury problems. There's two. Yeah, I think the let's go through the ego one first, which right, right away how can we not talk about Kylian Mbappe? Monsieur le technical director. Yeah, is, is he also the director of something for the national team? I don't know, but his ego is very, very big. Exactly. And the same way he thinks he owns PSG, which to a certain extent he does, right? He does have a lot of power there. He also will believe he is the rightful owner of the French national team, right? He wants yeah. to win the Ballon d'Or. His ego is is as inflated as the stock market right now, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> and we've seen that his relationship with um, Messi and Neymar just go down the drain. It's not looking good. And then when you put that, it, the problem is, if it was Mbappe alone to deal with, that would have been fine. But then you got some other players that could become a problem. We'll talk about one, Paul Pogba. Yeah. Give me, he is in two categories here. He could not be there because he's injured. And honestly, it might be good for France if he's not there in terms yeah. of the problem. And and again, his ego too, right? He even had problems with uh, Mbappe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, they had some quarrels back in the Euros, I think. Exactly. And then the other one is um, Karim Benzema, which as Ballon d'Or winner, um, one of the best players in the world right now. But he's had issues in the past, right, with Balbuena. Remember that? He got suspended. He is back. But we know Benzema also has a big ego and is willing to get in. in pro he had problems with Vinicius Jr. In the, even. So there's a lot of issues that can go. We don't know if Deschamps or Didier Deschamps is going to be able to manage all of that um, and how he will manage all of that. But then, obviously, when you look at their talent, you look at some players that they have, I'm going to name a few here, Pete, before you start naming the injuries. Kylian Mbappe, Nkuku, Choameni, Conde from Barcelona, Camavinga from Real Madrid, Dembele from Barcelona, Varane that might be injured from Man United, Upamakano, William Saliba, Anthony Griezmann. 
Pavard. It's like the, the Karim Benzema. The, it's just too much, right? The team, just too much. But why don't you tell us like the injury injured players that you think will probably be a problem for them? I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Angolo Kante. I mean, for me, Kante is what made them tick. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of Mbappe's attacking flair, yes. But in midfield, it was all Kante, in my opinion. I, I think Kante was really under uh, underappreciated at that World Cup because he wasn't always flashy. But he's the perfect combination of defender and attacker and te- tempo dictator. He just does everything so well. And he's such a good guy in the team, too. He's such a team player. You think you know, Chouamani can replace him? Could. Could could replace him, yeah. I, again, the drop-off is not great, right? So it might not be a big problem. Rafael Varane, again, it's like, yeah, he looks like he's out. But even then, I mean, you've got, whether it's Upamecano or, I mean, the who else are they? Saliba, even Bada, Benoit Badiashiu, Diashi, however you pronounce his name, is another very good defender and still very, very young as well. They'll be all right. So, huh? <laughs> They'll be all right. I think they'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said this on my YouTube preview with JD about the World Cup groups. If France is a tight team, if they're a cohesive unit, if they're like a well-oiled machine and they're all getting along, then they're a contender to win the World Cup. Absolutely. But if they're not, I would expect them to fall at the first big hurdle. Mm-hmm. And that first big hurdle could be as early as the second round. Well, we're also talking about, so we're talking about injuries. You mentioned there, Pogba's still injured, right? Conte's yep. injured, Baran is injured. I don't even know if we're maybe missing another injury here, but right there, these are three players that would almost start for any national team in the world, right? Or at least 99% of the national teams, one or another. Uh, and we've seen also outside of that issues from France in the past few months, right? When you go back to the Euro, they lost to Switzerland, which with the talent they have, and you just mentioned, you don't expect them to lose to Switzerland. It was 3-3, and they lost on PKs. Then you go to to Nations League, which France in the Nations League is in the same group as Denmark, right? Yeah. And they and lost, they lost Denmark twice. twice. Denmark yeah. finished ahead of them. So that is a group. And I even said this a long time ago that I have France going through this group regardless. I don't care what they say about the curse. But I think Denmark, that we're going to talk about in a couple minutes, will top this group because you just talked about it being a well-oiled machine, and that is what Denmark is. They are a very good team, very strong team, and they know how to work as a team. And we'll talk about Yeah, they're a very well-oiled machine with talent. Mm -hmm. Like, it's one thing if you're a well-oiled machine and everybody plays in Qatar. I mean, the Qatari league, like Qatar. But it's another thing to be a well-oiled machine with a ton of top talent all over your roster. What about a broken machine with a bunch of players from MLS? <laughs> Wouldn't qualify at a CONCACAF. No. But but anyhow, going back here to, to Group um, D, do we have anything else to add about France? Anything you want to talk about? Not really. I mean, that's it. It's Are they going to come together? And by the way, there's pressure from the media too. Like if you are looking at after all of their Nations League games, most of the media's questions to Didier Deschamps were not about tactics or personnel selection. It was about who who's the problem in the team. Like so the media is already creating this narrative that like there's problems with the team. And these players, whether you want to believe it or not, it does affect you. 
it does affect you when you hear, oh, this guy's the asshole. This guy's causing problems in the dressing room, insider sources. That's been all over the French media. So Didier Deschamps is saying, if you guys support us in a World Cup, we have a greater chance. But if you're always talking about locker room issues, which to be fair, you and I are now too. We're not the French media, but you know, we're pointing out the same We're doing thing. it for clicks though. <laughs> no, but it is fair to, to call it out. But like when the media already has that toxic sort of mentality about the team, that affect that can affect the players and it can affect dressing room harmony. Yeah, I mean, but but to be quite honest, I think their media does have enough evidence and reasons to be asking that because that's sure, they've sure. been showing for the past like two years yeah so it sort of makes sense and back in 2018 mbappe's ego wasn't this big also he was just getting no it's probably bigger Monaco, um you know making millions and millions of dollars and winning a world cup and and being called the king of paris all of that does does that to you but before we go on to denmark then australia and tunisia a quick word from this podcast sponsor and that is DraftKings Sportsbook. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off season with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA money online bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. And let me correct one thing. It's not the official sports betting partner. It's an official sports betting partner. There's others. Okay. It's not exclusive. So download now DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code TBPN, that is TBPN, make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bet if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code TBPN. And Pete, the last time we talked about how people should or shouldn't bet on the Lakers if they want to make money with that, I think ever since we said that, the Lakers have been 0-3 to start the season. So It's the tactical Yanks curse is what it is. Oh, man, we got we got to trade LeBron, man. We got to get rid of LeBron and Russell Westbrook and start to rebuild right there. Got to the Lakers got a tank and they got to trade LeBron and they got to trade. Well, they're not going to trade LeBron. That's not going to happen. So I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> let's let's just get out of basketball. That's that's not our forte. Why don't we go to Denmark, which is definitely as a team one of the best teams in this World Cup. Many experts are claiming they are a dark horse contender in the Euros last year after they had that very scary more moment with Christian Eriksen, which he is back, by the way, and will play in the World Cup. They bounced back. They made it to the semifinals, lost to England, and they pretty much showed everyone they're a re they are one of the real deals. They, they are a team that they can surprise any big nation in a good day, right? I don't think they're favorites to win it, but if they make it to a semifinal, they make it to a quarterfinals, Pretty reasonable. And by the way, this should be of interest of Mexico fans because they could end up playing Denmark in the next round or France, either one. But then yeah. you know a bit more about them. What do you have to say about Denmark? So just to give you an idea of the level of talent that this team has, obviously Christian Eriksen, everybody knows from Manchester United. Pierre-Emil Hoberg from Tottenham, right? Uh, Thomas Delaney at Sevilla, formerly of Dortmund. Joachim Anderson, the center back for Crystal Palace maybe one of the best center backs in, in the Premier League, in my opinion. Uh, Andreas Christensen from Barcelona. He is, he's been injured, but it seems like he'll be back in time. They said in the next week or two, he should be back. So Andreas Christensen from Barcelona. This guy's a Champions League winner with Chelsea. Simon Kier, you know, from AC Milan. Kasper Schmeichel, the goalkeeper. Uh, Andreas Skolv Olsen, who's a young 22-year-old winger for Bruges, Brugge and has been on fire for them. Jonas Wynn, the left winger for uh, Wolfsburg. 
And then as far as young players go, I don't know if he ends up going, but Rasmus Holjund, the forward for Atalanta, just 20 or 19 years old, actually, um, has been off the bench for Atalanta. He was there in Nations League. I don't know if he'll end up going because they still have a guy like Martin Braithwaite or Yusuf Polson from RB Leipzig. Braithwaite, who plays for Espanyol. Like, you just go, and a lot of other guys who play for Brentford in the Premier League. Like, if you just, this entire roster is filled with quality and experience. Yeah, and the coach, the, fact the coach is Casper Hulmund, and as formations, they'll play either 4 3 3 or 3 4 1 2, 3 4 3. It depends on the opponent. No, and I was going to say, and the fact that Christian Eriksen is back, right, and playing well for Man United. That's going to be big for them, too. Uh, this is the team I have topping this group, Denmark. I expect them to do so. Uh, I don't know how far they can go. I don't know where they cross at the quarterfinals, but I would expect them to make it to the quarterfinals unless they face Argentina. If they face Argentina, I think that's where the road could end early. But again, Argentina better watch out because Denmark or France are tough opponents in the, that round. And correct me if I'm wrong, um, if they finish in second place in their group and they somehow beat Argentina and the United States somehow makes it to the quarterfinals, we could face them. Yeah, if all of those things happen, technically we could face them, yes. Not too crazy to think. But Pete, is there anything else you want to add a bit about Denmark? Because I don't have much to talk about them just in regards to that, how they had a wonderful Euros. They were eliminated by England. They're one of the dark horses. For, they're not my main dark horse for this tournament. I'll reveal that later. But they are definitely one of the, the teams up there. But I would say probably a quarterfinals run will be the most reasonable. Is there anything else you want to add about Denmark? Yeah, I expect at least one giant slaying from Denmark. I don't know who it will be. It might be France in the first round. Like they might beat France. But I'm speaking more about one giant slaying in the knockout round. Like one top eight team that Denmark... I'm going to expect one win from them. And not, I don't think they can continue to do it several times in order to win the World Cup, but one would not surprise me. Got it. You have them eliminating the United States. Yes, clearly. clearly. A top eight right there. Clearly, a top eight <laughs> team in the world. <laughs> okay, that's what, what about... So now let's go to the other teams. Um, start with Australia. And we all remember the kangaroo merchants playing Peru in the inter-confederate playoff match. Um, their goalkeeper, which was... Very annoying, to say the least, in the penalty shootout. Definitely not as good as some past Australian teams that we saw. I can remember the time that they had Mark Viduka, and they had many other Australians that were actually very good. Cahill. Yeah, Timmy Cahill, Mark Viduka. There was the other winger for Leeds uh, who went to Liverpool. You remember yeah, they all, left, they all left Leeds when they were broke. Yeah, a lot of them were at Leeds, and then they moved. That one of them ended up at Liverpool. Mark Viduka, Harry Kewell. Harry Kewell was his name. Yes. And Viduka Harry was Kewell. the lead too. Um, so this Australian side is, terrible. I hate to say it, but yeah. yeah, okay. No, they're a terrible. I'm sorry. They're a terrible yeah. team. And to make it worse, they have lost their best player. Uh, he's the 26-year-old attacking midfielder for Hellas Verona in Serie A. Really the only guy they have playing in a top five league. Adin Rustic. Uh, he wasn't even a starter for Hellas Verona, but he was a probably Australia's best player in World Cup qualifying. And he is has an ankle injury. He's out for several weeks. So even if he's back in time for Australia, I think it's unlikely that he'll be fully fit and able to help them. 
just to give you an idea of the level of talent, these are some of their best players. Aaron Moy, who is a midfielder for Celtic, not a starter, but he's a rotational sub for Celtic. Uh, Adin Rustic, if he is there, will obviously be a big you know, uh, help. Matthew Ryan, their goalkeeper, plays at FC Copenhagen. Okay, it's a Champions League team. You know, not bad. Bailey Wright, center back for Sunderland. Doesn't start for Sunderland, so backup center back for Sunderland. Aziz Behic, he's the left back from Dundee United. And Jackson Irvine, who's a central midfielder from St. Pauli in the second division. Those are their best players. Everybody else pretty much plays either lower in the Scottish League as like sub players in the Scottish league or in the J the A league in Australia, or some of them even in the J league in Japan. So this Australia team is full of hustle and fight and they got a little lucky against Peru. I'm not going to lie, but I can't see them getting out of this group. I, I, I can't see them getting a point. Oh, I can see them getting a point against Tunisia. Perhaps. That would be the only game I can't. That's what I was saying. And we're going to talk about Tunisia here. I don't see how Tunisia or Australia can pull any point from Denmark and France. I just don't see it in this World Cup specifically. I mean, a point is possible because if you are willing to bunker against a team like France and if France has, you know, the same issues that we've seen, it's very hard to break down a bunker if everybody's not firing on the same page, right? If there's disorganization or a lack of cohesiveness, that can affect you. So if you're willing to bunker, even against Denmark, you know, you can pepper their goal, 20 shots, and the goalie has a great day. They get a bit unlucky. They hit the post twice. They miss shots they should finish. A point is possible really against anyone if you get a combination of luck and a really good tactical strategy. But getting out of the group is a different story. So Tunisia... Going back to, do, do you have anything else to add on Australia? Do you think they're going to go through? No, I sorry, don't do go through. Go. Do you think they? Do you think Australia could? So you just said that you think Australia, in the right day, they could even pull a draw with um, Denmark or France if everything yeah. goes right. But anybody can do that on the right day. It's like one out of ten times, yeah. But nine times out of ten, you're going to get destroyed by both Denmark and France. Yeah, only if they threaten them with kangaroos or something. That's like, you know, <laughs> this is a very, it's a very bad, very bad. Jack went to the most basic cliche he could find for Australia. Yeah, culture. that's all I know about them. I just know they <laughs> have kangaroos there. So this was a better team under Ange Postacoglu. Uh, Graham Arnold is their coach. They typically play. I think they're going to play four-five-one, and that's how they played against Peru. Four-five-one. Defend for your lives. Try to create something on the counter. Is it that four-five-one that almost looks like a four-four-six-zero? Almost. Pretty much. It's everybody defending back, and I think that's how Graham Arnold is going to play. And I'll be honest, at a World Cup, that can surprise you because it's hard to break down a team where everybody's defending. And the Aussies are like what the U.S. were for many years: not a lot of talent, but very good at the bunker right? Very good at making your life super difficult defending in the final third. The only difference was the U.S. had some attacking talent that they could rely on for counterattacks, whether Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan, you know the drill. Mm -hmm. Australia doesn't have players of that level. They just don't. So I think they could bunker, but where are they going to get goals from? I honestly don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe a set piece. Maybe a set piece. That's all I can really see. And I mean, the last World Cup, Australia themselves, they were in the same group as France and Denmark, right? 
France and Denmark were in the same group last World Cup, and so was Australia. Yeah, it, it's weird, quite, right? Yeah, it's weird because also Brazil, Switzerland, and Serbia were also in the same freaking group. So maybe their machine is broken. <laughs> the little machine that rotates the balls might be a computer. Yeah, FIFA needs to check that out. But but anyhow, talk, speaking of Australia, um, they beat they lost to France only two one, with France scoring a late goal. They tied Denmark, one one, and then they lost to Peru two zero. They finished last in the group. But when you look at those results, it sort of matches what you said um, that there's no easy game. Yeah, there's no easy game and they'll grind out a result. And this was the French team that won the World Cup. Right. Uh, but 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 anyhow, going to Tunisia, right, Tunisia, that in the last World Cup, they were in the same group as England and Belgium and Panama. They played Panama. Yeah, they played yeah, Panama. They so for that group, um, Tunisia lost to England, lost to Belgium and they beat Panama which is also where Harry Kane got like half of his World Cup goals in that game. Yeah, I think he got five goals in that game. No, he got four or a hat trick, something like that. He got a lot, yeah. Yeah, pretty much every goal he has in the World Cup was almost in that game. And Tunisia was knocked out, but they defeated Panama. They come into the 2022 World Cup qualifying in from the African Confederation. Look at this. This is the group they went through to advance to the playoff, Pete. These are the teams they played. They've topped the group with the Equatorial Guinea, Zambia, and Mauritania. Mauritania, yeah. Mauritania? Yeah, Mauritania. Yeah. The three national teams that I honestly can't name one player. Um, I don't know if you can. And then in the playoffs, Tunisia knocked out Mali. They knocked yeah. out Mali in the playoffs, which Mali definitely has some players that I've heard of before. I'll probably have to check that out later. Do you remember any players from Mali? I don't often. Bisuma from Tottenham. Bisuma from Tottenham is from yeah, Mali. Yeah, there you go. There and you go. Amada from Monaco. Okay. And um, the guy that plays for, with Chris Richards, um, Dokore. That plays for yeah, Chris. yeah, yeah. Dokore. Dokore yes. that played for um, Everton in the past. So uh, that's Mali. But, but Tunisia qualified. They defeated in the first leg Mali 1-0 and tied 0-0. To me, they are one of the weakest African nations in the World Cup in my opinion, definitely behind yep. Senegal, definitely behind Ghana, definitely behind Morocco, possibly behind Cameroon as well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this team here that not so long ago, they were just part of France. That's another interesting fun fact that I don't know if you know, but Tunisia up to like the 50s, they were just a part of France. And here they are. Yeah, they were a French colony, but that's yeah. true of many African nations, right? After World War II, Britain and France lost their global empire. So did Holland. Anybody who had colonies essentially gave them up. They all got their independence. Suriname but, was Suriname was for for Holland, but but Tunisians in the same group as France. That's the fun fact right here. And they've been to one, two, three, four, five World Cups in the past. And Tunisia has never gotten out of the group stage. Yeah, and I don't expect them to either. These are the players that they're going to be looking at. So their coach is Jael Kedri. He's a Tunisian coach. They play 4-3-3. For me, their four best players are Dylan Braun. He's a center back for Salernitana in Serie A. Doesn't always start for them, more of a substitute, to be honest. Hannibal Mebri, who's a Manchester United player, technically, but he's an attacking midfielder, plays for Birmingham City. 19 years old, still very young, could be very talented down the line. Isn't 
you know, lighting up the English League Championship, let's say. Wabi Kazri, forward from Montpellier in France. He a very experienced Tunisian player, probably going to be their starter. Doesn't start from Montpellier, but has two goals and one assist off the bench so far this season. And then Elias Shakiri, who's the six for FC Cologne in the Bundesliga. So those are their four best players. The vast majority of the rest of them play either in local African leagues or they play in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia or Qatar. Sounds a bit more talented than Australia on paper. Yeah, I think this team could finish third. But I just don't know if they're going to have the same dedication to defending that the Aussies will bring. The thing about the Aussies is they have that we're going to defend for our lives until the day we die and we're going to be so hard to beat and break us down. So I don't know if Tunisia is going to come with the same mentality as the Aussies. And the Aussies have a very physical advantage over the Tunisians. So I, I still think that while they are more talented, Australia could still finish ahead of them. Hmm. So that, that would be your fi- What's your final predict? Mine will be Denmark first, France second, Tunisia third, and Australia fourth. So mine is the same, except I, I have Australia finishing over Tunisia. So you also have France in second? Yes, yes. And then and then um, France and Argentina in the, set, in the round of 16. Argentina get uh, their revenge? They get their revenge right there? Maybe, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Messi's last dance. And everyone, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to drop a review. Since I opened the episode today, I'll let Pete close it. As always, guys, drop a review. If you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, give us a comment, a rating, uh, a review, right? You can rate anywhere, on anywhere you get your podcast: Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. But you can only leave a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. So please go do that. It helps other people to find the pod. Thank you to everybody who's already done that. Have a great weekend, guys. Today is the 25th of November when you are reading this. This means we are only 25 days away from the World Cup. October. October, I'm sorry. 25 days away from the World Cup, and that is a lot closer. One or two more partying weekends, and all of a sudden, the World Cup will be upon you, and it'll be exciting as hell. So get pumped. Get psyched. Next week, we have Group E, Germany, Spain, Costa Rica, and Japan. Don't miss it. And if you really do enjoy the podcast, one thing you can do is share it. Share it with a friend who's maybe getting excited about the World Cup but wants to get some information. Share these episodes with them. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, Mexico, Argentina, Poland, and South Korea. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, not South Korea. Go check that one out because we did a full preview on that. Who's going to get out of that group? Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon. And trick or treat. Enjoy your Halloween. Bye-bye.